LifePoint Church, how's everybody doing today? Come on, we're going to try that again. LifePoint Church, how's everybody doing today? Come on. It's a great day to be in church. So glad that all of you are joining us today. My name is Jordan, and I can serve here uh, as our Austin P campus pastor, as well as our young adults pastor. So excited to be with all of you today. I want to take a moment and just look into this camera, and I want to welcome our online campus again. I want to welcome everybody joining us at Austin P. State University today, as well as in Chandler, Arizona, at our East, East Valley Dream Center location. We want to say a big welcome to you. We love being one church in many locations. LifePoint, we welcome all of our locations again that are joining us everywhere. It's going to be a great day. Well, hey, I want to say thank you uh, again before we dive into today's message. I want to say thank you again for being an incredibly generous church. Thank you for your giving, your tithes and offerings um, that you give each and every week uh, are going to make a difference um, in our city, in our region, and around the world. And we have multiple different ways that you can give uh, your tithes and offerings today. You can give through the app online, mail, at any of our lobbies, at any of our campuses. One of the ways that you're giving, uh, I just want to share, went to go make a big difference this week um, was through Serve Day. Come on, somebody. We had, we had Serve Day this weekend, and huge shout out to everybody that got out and served our community in big ways through Serve Day. But I just wanted to give us, and those of you that are joining us uh, through video, I want to give us just um, uh, an update on Serve Day and just some wins, because I think this is definitely worth celebrating. And so we had, on Serve Day, we had 36 projects happening around our city. We had 380 people uh, from LifePoint join in on various different projects. We did a big um, outreach at Loaves and Fishes here in Clarksville, um, and they uh, worked with YAPAC to hand out clothing items, free food. There was people getting free haircuts, showers, free cell phones, so much more. We had 200 people from our community come to Loaves and Fishes and attend there. We had um, three teams uh, during three days this week who served our healthcare workers, specifically um, our Montgomery County EMS, as well as Tanova Hospital, everybody from kitchen staff to janitors, doctors, nurses. And listen to this, they were able to hand out 1,394 meals. Come on, somebody, to our healthcare workers and Man, they deserve it, and we just thank God for everybody in, our, in, in healthcare that's been working. This has been a lot, obviously, happening uh, lately that's made that very difficult and challenging. So it was an honor and a privilege to go bless them. And so come on, church, can we just give it up one more time for everybody that served during Serve Day? What an amazing time. Well, hey, we are uh, going to dive into the message. Come on, how many people, you're ready for the Word of God today? Come on, make some noise. Man, I hope you came ready to shout and yell and holler amen, because it's going to be a good day. Um, we are continuing on in our Book of Acts series, and, and what a powerful series uh, this has been so far. And we have a lot left to cover, but I hope uh, that this message has challenged you in a good way and uh, moved you to really a deeper devotion towards the things of God, and we're really going to see that in our message today. I'm really excited about our text today. If you have your Bible, um, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Uh, we are starting a new chapter today. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8 today. But before I get into that, uh, what just a powerful um, Last couple chapters we looked at as we introduced uh, a guy named Stephen. We saw Stephen come on the scene in Acts chapter 6. And at the end of our chapter in Acts chapter 7 last week, he got stoned. And not the 2021 kind of stoned, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he got, 
he was murdered, he was killed uh, for his faith at the end of Acts chapter, uh, at the end of Acts chapter 7 last week. And we hear um, about Stephen's life um, really for a chapter and a half and then he's gone. But, but we saw over the last couple of weeks that Stephen lived such a bold life for God. He was a man with, that the Bible says it described him as a man with good reputation. He was full of the spirit. He was full of grace, full of wisdom. And he was used by God to do miraculous signs and wonders. And I don't know about you, but that would be a pretty great list. If somebody were to describe you and me, I would love them to use those types of things. And so we see that Stephen's life disrupted things for the religious people, for the religious leaders. And rather than them wanting to learn from Stephen or understand what he, where he was coming from and what he was saying and, you know, maybe take Stephen out to coffee and, you know, learn from him and understand what the Lord was trying to speak through him, um, they decided to kill him. We saw at the end of uh, the chapter last week. And it was an amazing end to this story, but it was a, it was a and we covered 60 verses in that one chapter. And it, it's amazing at the end we see, you know, Jesus stands up next to, you know, right next to God and the heavens opened up and Stephen has this whole vision of heaven and it's just amazing. We talked last week about living your life in such a way that, you know, would make, would make Jesus stand up for you and, and living in such a bold way uh, to be a witness for, for the Lord. But I don't know about you, but it's really easy to look at Stephen's story and while we can gain courage uh, from his boldness to share the gospel even in the face of death, it's easy to look at those two chapters and think what good can come from this. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever looked at a situation in your life or a time in your life, or maybe you're, you're in one of those seasons right now where you're asking yourself that question, what good can come from this? I mean, we would all agree the last two years, we've, there's probably all of us have said that phrase at one point in time, what good can come from this. And the reality is that Stephen's death at first glance might seem meaningless. I mean, it was kind of just this weird, he's on the scene for a while, he makes this bold declaration for God, it was incredible, it was amazing, and then he, you know, gets killed. And his ministry was cut short, and it seems like it's ending in failure, because it doesn't even tell us that anybody was immediately brought to faith. We don't, we don't see it, you know, in earlier chapters, we've, we saw that when the, you know, believers, you know, stood up against, you know, in the face of persecution, in the face of, you know, it, it says that mo- thousands of people got saved. But, but we actually don't see anybody after Stephen, you know, gets stoned, be brought immediately to faith. I mean, this story would have been pretty amazing had it said at the end of his death that 5,000 people came to faith. I mean, that would have been pretty amazing. But dare I say that something even greater happened because of Stephen's death. We see today in Acts chapter 8 that Stephen's death was not meaningless, that God actually used Stephen's death to advance the church and the spread of the gospel like we have never seen before up until this point. That's why I've titled my message today, Stephen died, yet the church thrived. I almost titled this message, because if you remember at the end of chapter 7, it says Stephen fell asleep. I almost titled this message, Stephen fell asleep, but the church woke up. Come on, somebody. And 
Let's pray over today's message, then we're going to jump into our text. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that it's alive and active. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word has power to transform us, to change us. And so, Lord, we look to your word today in the midst of a world that is full of popular opinion and full of new social norms. And, God, we look to your word today because we know that it's in your word that we find truth. And so, God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you would speak to us today through your word, that you would transform us, that you would change us. God, that we would leave this place differently than when we came in, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, hey, we're going to read all the way through Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8, and then we're going to go back through and walk, walk through it together. So if you have your Bibles, how many people, you brought your Bible to church? Come on now, wave, it, wave your Bible in the air. You know, if you got your Bible, if your Bible glows, that's okay too, if you got to charge your Bible. That's all right. As long as you got the Bible, you know, that's good. So Acts chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 1, it says this, And Saul, it's kind of an awkward first verse, and we'll explain that here in a second. It says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of them who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8 says, so there was much joy in that city. So before we really jump into the text, I want to address verse 1 because I think it's important for us to talk about Saul. Saul it was introduced at the, you know, at the back end of Acts chapter 7. It, it said that um, it's almost kind of, this first verse is almost kind of mentioned in sort of an awkward way here in the text. It almost seems like him approving of Stephen's death should have been tacked onto the last verses of chapter 7. But we see Saul introduced uh, in, in chapter 7 during Stephen's stoning, and it says that they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Basically, Saul said, I'll watch your jackets, I'll hold your coats. Have you ever had somebody before that's like, here, I'll hold your jacket or I'll hold your, you know, whatever for you. Saul was like, I'll hold your stuff for you while you throw stones at this guy. This is the kind of dude Saul, Saul was. So we see in verse 1 that Saul, it says this, it says Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And that word approve there isn't actually strong enough language. That word approve there, what that actually means in the, in, the original, in the original Greek, that word approved means that he was pleased with, that he was pleased with. So in other words, Saul found absolute joy and he took pleasure in watching the murder of Stephen happen. I just want, to, I just want you to get an idea of, of who Saul is. Saul, Saul took absolute joy in seeing Christians persecuted and throwing Christians into prison and as we're going to see in our text today. And I don't want to jump too far ahead to the next chapter 
But if you've read ahead, we see Saul having this incredible encounter with the Lord in Acts chapter 9, and Saul becomes Paul, who instead of being a wrecking force against the kingdom of God, God totally transforms and changes his life, and he becomes a wrecking force for the kingdom of God. He becomes a modern-day church planner. He writes the majority of the New I mean, it's incredible how God uses Saul eventually. But, but we see Saul there introduced at the first, in, the, in that first verse there. So if we continue on reading in our text in these first three verses, Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was continued to ravage the church, entering house after house, dragged off men and women, and committed them to prison. The first thing we're going to see in our text today that I want to point out is this. Just because there's pain doesn't mean there's not progress. Just because there's pain doesn't mean there's not progress. Man, what a powerful song that we sang today. Even when we don't see it, God's working. Come on, are you thankful for that today? That even when we don't see it, God's working. And we're going to see that right away in our text today. But there's a lot of pain wrapped up in these first three verses. We see Saul approving of Stephen's execution, not only approving of his execution, but he's actually pleased with it. Then it says that on this day, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. Another translation actually says that a great wave of persecution swept over the church. Now, this is the first time that we see the, per the term persecution used in Acts. In previous chapters, we see the disciples, they're, they're being threatened. But the death of Stephen right here really opens the floodgates of persecution against the church. And then it says that all the believers, they scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed put for various different reasons. And then it says that devout men came and they buried Stephen. They had a funeral for Stephen and, and Saul continued ravaging the church and entering house after house, dragging off men and women to prison. I think we could all agree now, this is a pretty rough start to Acts chapter 8. I mean, this isn't exactly, these aren't exactly verses that you get tattooed on yourself. You know what I'm saying? These aren't, these aren't tattoo verses. This Acts chapter 8 starts off pretty rough, especially for the believers. But if you look closely, even when we don't see it, God's working. Even when we don't see it, God's working. If you look closely here, there's actually progress in the midst of an extremely painful time. If you go back to verse one, it says, in persecution hits, the believers scattered. Why is that important? Because up until now, the believers had stayed put in Jerusalem. We don't hear them traveling outside of there at all. And why is it significant that the believers, when they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, why is that important that they were scattered? Well, if you go all the way back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus told the believers when he spoke about the power of the Holy Spirit that was coming, he said this, he said, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but not just in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God's plan, listen to me this morning, God's plan was never for the church to stay put in Jerusalem. 
God's plan was always for them to take the gospel to the surrounding areas and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And he used a time of pain. Hear me today. He used a time of pain to move his church, to fulfill his plan. And this pain that they experienced started the advancement of, the, of God's church in the whole world like we've never seen before. Now listen, I think we would all agree that we are living in a time with a lot of great pain. We're living in a time with a lot of chaos and unrest. We're seeing a rise in persecution against the church and believers around the world. I just read an article recently that said there was a 60% increase globally of Christians being killed for faith-related reasons in 2020 up from 2019. The article I read actually said that there, there are reports of Christians who are being killed for just having the Bible app on their phones. We're hearing more and more of the church in other countries that have, are being attacked and Christians being murdered in some places around the world. It's even illegal to share the gospel. There's even articles out right now as, about places as close to us as Canada about the criminalization of Christianity. Listen, God is not shocked by what's happening in our world today. You need to know that today. God is not shocked. God is not in heaven frantic. God is not in heaven worried. God is not in heaven pacing. God is not in heaven going, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh, and me. I'm here all day. But God was not shocked by what was happening to the church. Then, and he's not shocked by what's happening in our world today. God wasn't shocked when the church was persecuted in Acts, and he's not shocked by the, by the persecution happening around our world today. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually said this. I don't know if you know this, but this is in your Bible. This is in your B-I-B-L-E. That Jesus actually said that we will be persecuted and hated. You got to know that today. Like, I, I, know, I, I don't mean to bear We're about to get some good news, okay? I'm just saying, yeah, I know this is like... Where are we going with this? A lot of bad news still. I'm going to get some good news here real quick. But Jesus actually told us, he said that we will be persecuted and hated by all men for his name's sake. Happy Sunday. Christianity, hear me today, Christianity will involve persecution and pain. We might see it differently here in the world that we live in today, here in, here in, the, here in the nation that we live in. It, it looks different. But Christianity will involve persecution and pain. But listen to me, church. If there is anything that we can learn about the first three verses of the church in Acts 8, it's that even in the midst of pain, there was progress. Even in a time of pain, the church advanced. Even in a time of persecution and pressure and chaos, the church moved forward. If you read throughout, I read an article recently about all the great uh, revivals that, that ever happened. And you know, when, you know when those great revivals happened and God did incredible things? There was a lot of really crazy, chaotic things happening at the time. Which tells me this, that God does his best work in the midst of the most chaotic circumstances. I'm here to remind us today that the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest force on planet Earth. 
Come on, somebody. Even a time of pain and persecution, God's church cannot be defeated. God's church will prevail. God's church will move forward. God's church will advance. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot and will not stand against it. Listen to me, church. No matter how bad it gets, God's plan will prevail. God's mission on earth will advance. And there is no devil in hell that can stop the plans of God. And if I can just bring a, a good report here for a second, and contrary to all the bad reports that we keep hearing, people are still getting saved, people are still getting healed, people are still being set free, lives are still being changed, even in the midst of a painful time. Listen, I don't believe that God is causing this stuff in our world to happen. I don't believe that God caused Stephen's death. I don't believe he caused persecution that the early church faced. But I do believe this. I do believe that God will use the pain around us for his glory. And sometimes he uses the pain around us to shake us up a little bit and to get us out of our normal routines and rhythms to get us where he wants us to go. And dare I say, just like God used the pain that the early church faced to get them moving and on his mission, God might be using the pain in our world today to wake some sleeping Christians up to the fact that we still have a mission. We still have a mission. That's why we see this secondly here in our text. That's why we see just because there's pain doesn't mean the mission's changed. Just because there's pain doesn't mean the mission has changed. Listen to what happens. We'll continue on reading in, in verse four here. Listen to what happens in the following verses. It says, now those who were scattered, they went about preaching the word. They went about preaching the word. So in a time of pain, when they were scattered, Notice it doesn't say that those who were scattered went and hid where it was comfortable. It doesn't say those who were scattered went and hungered down in safety until the return of Jesus. It doesn't say that those who were scattered went and talked all, about all the persecution that was happening to them in Jerusalem. No, it says that those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Why? Because just because there was pain didn't mean their mission changed. And I want to break down verse 4 here because I think this is really powerful. That word scattered, which is mentioned for the second time in, in, these, in our text today, that word scattered can give off a sound like they, like they ran away or they disappeared. But that word scattered that's used here actually means they, uh, to scatter or it means a scattering of or planting or sowing seeds. And when it says that they went about preaching the word. That, word. that word preaching can sound kind of intimidating or scary oftentimes because we might think of, we think of somebody oftentimes, especially in our Western Christianity, we think of somebody as preaching as somebody who's standing on a stage with a pulpit and a crowd of people. But preaching here in this specific text doesn't mean that. The original Greek word actually simply means that they just, they just shared the good news. Just everywhere they went, they just scattered the good news. Everywhere they went, they just, they just talked about what Jesus was doing and had done. So in a time of pain and persecution, listen to me, church, the, the response wasn't to hide out. They didn't allow the pressures and the pains they were facing 
to stop them. They didn't allow the fear of man to stop them from sharing the good news. Their response was to just continue to share the good news of Jesus. I love what the, the New Testament translation says. It says that they just shared the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They talked about Jesus had done in their lives. They didn't have a Bible college degree or a pulpit to preach from or a seminary degree. They simply just went around telling people about Jesus. Now, it's no secret that a lot of things in the last few years have changed. And honestly, they will continue to change. COVID, hear me today, COVID might have messed up a lot of plans, but it did not mess up God's plan. Can I remind us today that the mission of God never changes? There might be some new normals, but the mission of God never changes. The mission of God is to seek and save the lost, and we are personally called, you and I are called to partner with God to get the message of Jesus out to as many people as possible. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. We've been called, you've been called, and it's not just the pastor's job, it's not just people who work at the church's job, it's, it's, it's us together collectively as the church, the body of believers, to get this message out to as many people as possible. Listen, you are not alive in 2021 by accident. God knew you would be walking the earth right here and right now, and God did not just put you on planet earth just to suck oxygen one day and then pass on to the sweet by and by. No, God put you here because he's given you a mission. Can I tell you today and remind us, church, just because there's pain doesn't mean the mission's changed for us. Just because there's pain happening in the world today doesn't mean our mission has changed. You have a mission. We have a mission as followers of Jesus. I want to look at, continue reading on in our text here and look at the example of Philip in verses 5 through 7. It says this. It says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Another translation just says Philip, for example. They just, for whatever reason, they chose, to, they used Philip's example. And I think it's a really powerful example here. It says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So this is, this is significant because Philip went to the city of Samaria. If, if Philip was just a normal guy, he went to the city of Samaria, and if you don't know anything about Jews and Samaritans, that they could not, the hatred that the Jews had for Samaritans, wouldn't, hatred wouldn't even be a strong enough word. So for Philip to go to Samaria was a big deal. But listen to this, Philip was willing to risk it all and be used by God wherever God sent him. And Philip going to Samaria, he's showing that there's not a place that they wouldn't go to share the gospel. Listen, church, we have a mission to take the gospel into the difficult places, into the hard places, into the places that no one else wants to go, into the places that might seem uncomfortable or risky, but we will risk it all to get the message of the gospel out to as many people as we possibly can. So I want to ask you today, really quick before we go any further, because I think it's significant that Philip went to Samaria I want to ask you this question today. Where is your Samaria? Where is your Samaria? God might not have called you to Samaria like Philip, but God has called you to some 
area. It's my best dad joke. That's all I got. Anyways, it's good. And listen, wherever your Samaria is, God wants to use you right there to see lives changed for the glory of God. See, up until then, up until this point, they hadn't shared the gospel outside of Jerusalem. They only saw God working and changing lives in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem was safe. The Jerusalem, it was, it was kind of comfortable. It was just, it was a place where they had just stayed put at for whatever reason. But when they shared Jesus in Samaria, they saw God changes lives here too. And hear me say, the power that comes from sharing the good news that changes people's lives, church, isn't just exclusively for in these buildings when we gather on Sundays. You have the power to share the good news at your workplace, in your neighborhood, to your family. Stop waiting on a friend to come to church to, so one of our pastors can share Jesus with them and you share Jesus with them. The power of God is at work wherever you are at. Listen to me today. Most people don't come to Jesus through a professional preacher. They come to Jesus through everyday encounters with ordinary people like us. And I just want to ask you this question. When is the last time you just went around and told your friends what God had done in your life? When's the last time at your workplace you changed the subject from the news or a conspiracy theory and just shared what God was doing in your life and what God has done for you? Pastor Randy said this quote, and if you don't, it's a tough quote. If you don't like it, you can take it up with him afterwards. You can email him. He said this. He said, if LifePoint Church on Sunday mornings is the only place you live out your faith, you're doing it wrong. If here is the only place that you're willing to pray for someone or have a conversation about the Lord or be bold in your faith, dare I say, you're missing it. God can and wants to use you right where you are, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, your school campus, wherever God has put you today, the power of God is at work and available in your life to be used by God, to see lives changed for the glory of God. Last thing we see in our text today is this, that the good news of Jesus brings great joy in the midst of pain. The good news of Jesus brings joy in the midst of pain. Verse 8 our story ends after Philip goes to Samaria and he shares Jesus with them and lives are changed and transformed. It says in verse 8 there, so there was much joy in that city. Notice this story started in pain and it ends in joy. And I was thinking about this this morning, that verse that says, what the enemy meant for evil, God uses it for good. And what the enemy meant for evil at the start of Acts chapter 8, God used it for his good. Listen, even in a time of pain, the entire city was filled with much joy because Philip chose to live on mission and share the gospel. I don't know if you've noticed this already. I'm sure you probably have. We've all noticed this. But there is an incredible lack of joy in our world today. But that should be an indication to us that we have a mission and we have a message that we have to get out to as many people as possible. We have to continue to share the gospel. This verse is typically pulled out around Christmas time, but my wife reminded me that Scripture doesn't run on a holiday schedule. So we can, we can pull this Christmas verse out, but I'm excited for Christmas. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 says this. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Listen to me, church. This message is very simple today. You and I carry the greatest news of all time. We hold the answer to the greatest human need, and that is for people to know Jesus. And I just want to ask this question, who in your world today is missing out on the joy that the gospel offers because you haven't told them about it? And I believe that God wants to use you right where you're at, no matter where that's at, whether, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you whether you're, you know, go to an office every day, whether you're on campus at Austin P, wherever God has called you to, God wants to use you right there. God wants to use you right there. And I want to just give a couple practical steps forward as we close here. So if you have a pen or something to write these down, I want to just encourage you to, to jot these down as we live on mission as missionaries where God called us to. When, when the early church, when this church here in Acts 8 was scattered, it, it, some commentaries just say that they just became accidental missionaries. They, just, they became missionaries because they had to scatter and go. And God has called us as the church to gather. There, God wants us, this has always been God's plan that, we, that the people of God gather together and worship and are encouraged and there's fellowship. And this is, this is good. But here's the deal. When we leave here, you, we scatter. You scatter. And we don't, we, we don't scatter in fear, we don't, but, but, but God has called us when you leave here. We gather and we scatter. And I just want to ask you today, where, where, is the, where is the Lord scattered you at this week? Where are you going to this week? Where, where are you going to be? What, what, people, what people are you going to be around that need the message that you have? What people are you going to be spending time around that need the message that you have on the inside of you? I heard this quote one time that said, knowing the gospel is like having the cure for cancer and not telling anybody about it. And I know that's a very sobering reality, but our world today, my goodness, our world today is in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you carry that with you. You carry that message with you. You're, you are an ambassador. God, God has called you to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus, right where he's called you at, right where he's placed you at, right where he's put you at, that business that you're at, that, that team that you play on. God's called you to live on mission. So here's a couple things that I want to close with, just some practical takeaways that you can just go into this week with. If you got a notepad, write these down. If you got some on your phone to take these down, write these down. But the first thing with this is living on mission. God's called us. We have a mission. We got a mission, church. We've got a world to reach. We've got a gospel to preach. The first thing, wherever God's called you this week, I want you to do this. Pray. Pray. I know that's kind of a novel thought for us as Christians. But Pray. Pray for the people. Maybe you've got people right now that you know of in your world that don't know the Lord. Maybe you've got people that you've been praying for for a long time. 
that don't know the Lord. Maybe you've got coworkers, you've got teammates, you've got neighbors, but maybe you've got people in your world that don't know the Lord. I wanna encourage you this week, start praying for them. If you've already been praying for them, continue to pray for them, but pray for them. Pray for those people in your world that don't know the Lord to come to know him. And then I want you to do this. Pray for open doors this week to be a witness. I dare you. I dare, I, matter of fact, I double dog dare you to pray that prayer. Because that's a dangerous prayer sometimes to pray. How many people you've ever prayed something and God answered it and you're like, wait, hold on, God. I, wasn't, I didn't know if I was asking for that. But pray, pray for open doors this week. I used to work at a place, I'm from Iowa. I used to work at a place after I graduated high school. Um, I used to work in this warehouse. Um, I drove forklift. And it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was where God had me at. And I had um, worked there pre-saved, and then I started working there post-saved. You know what I'm saying? About, so, so my coworkers got to see both you know, side, <laughs> sides of me. Um, so they saw this incredible, you know, God just do this amazing thing in my life. God changed my life. I mean, he, God took me in, from, from a place that I never thought he could take me from, and now he's using me in ways I never thought he would ever use me. And I would pray. I would sit in the parking lot at work before I go into this job, and I would sit there in my car, and I would go, Lord, this is where you have me. This is where you've called me, and I want to be a missionary for you. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a representative of you when I go into this place. So I prayed. I would pray, Lord, help people that are in my workplace that I'm around. Help people see you in me. Because here's the deal. Sometimes the only Bible people will read is your life. Sometimes the only Jesus people might see is the Jesus on the inside of you. So I prayed, Lord, use me, use me. And I saw God begin to open up doors. God began to bring along just open doors to have these conversations with people that I never imagined I would have conversations with about the Lord. But I just prayed and I just said, Lord, open doors. So before you walk into work tomorrow or tonight, before you walk onto your college campus tomorrow, before you walk into your school campus, just pray and just say, Lord, and I, I get, watch what God will do. The second thing is this, be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. You, the Holy Spirit, listen, if you've said yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he wants to use you. So be led by the Holy Spirit. If you feel led by the Holy Spirit this week to do something, act on it. Act on it. How many people you've ever felt that nudge that like you knows God, but sometimes you like, you, you kind of second guess it sometimes. And I think we're too often to give bad pizza credit for the way we're feeling than like God's actually, the Holy Spirit's actually speaking to me and wants me to do something. Because sometimes we're like, I don't know if that's. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. So be led by the Holy Spirit. If you feel nudged to do something, be obedient. Holy Spirit wants to speak to you this week. Number three is this. This is a tough one to hear, and I've had to hear this one too. Get over yourself. Sometimes we just got to get over ourselves so that other people can, can meet Jesus. 
Sometimes we just gotta get over ourselves so that other people can come to know the Lord. Sometimes we gotta get over our fear of being seen as weird. Can I tell you something today? You're weird. We're all weird. You're weird, I'm weird, we're weird. Don't be weird, you know what I'm saying? Like, weird, but just don't, you know, don't be weird. <laughs> but sometimes we just gotta get over ourselves. We gotta get over our fear of being, feeling weird. We have to get over our pride sometimes. Man, Philip probably had to really get over his pride to go to a place like Samaria because they would, there no way I would have ever gone there. And some of you need to get over the pride of talking to a family member that maybe you don't want anything to do with. You need to talk to him about the Lord. Maybe you've got neighbors that you've been like, nah, I don't want anything to do with that guy. He's crazy. He drives me nuts. He's weird. He's just frustrated. I don't want to talk to him. God's calling you to get over yourself, to get over your pride so that somebody else could come to know Jesus. We got we to gotta get over this. We got to get over the fear of what, what people will think about us. Who cares? Who cares? I would rather people think whatever than, than knowing that people today are dying and not spending eternity in heaven. I would much rather be seen as weird or whatever than know that people are, people are dying daily and, and not spending eternity in heaven. That should really drive us, getting over ourselves, getting over the fear of what people think. Fourth thing is this, be bold. Just be bold. Be confident. Be bold. Start by asking this. This is a great question. If you ever want to start a conversation with a friend at work about the Lord or you, you've been kind of feeling like maybe I should and I don't know how to do that, a great way to do it is just to ask, is there anything I can pray for for you? Is there anything I can pray for? Most people that i found, most people don't reject prayer. Most people aren't like, Get, I don't want prayer. Most people will, will gladly accept prayer. So you can start by saying, hey, can I pray for you? Here's another thing. Invite them to your small group. Invite them to church. Invite them to dinner. If the opportunity presents itself, share your story. Just share your story. You don't have, listen, you don't have to feel the pressure to get all theological and go into all this stuff about scripture. Don't, don't feel that way. Just share your story. Just share. There's power in your testimony. There's power in what the Lord has done in your life. I think of John, oh, John 2, 4, 9, somewhere it's in there. Oh, man, they told me after this week. Anyways, there's a guy that was blind and he was, and he was healed. And his, and his testimony is like, he, people are asking him, How, how'd this happen? How'd this happen? How'd you get healed? And he told everybody, I don't know, I was blind but now I can see. I don't know what happened to me. I don't really know even who, I just know that I was blind and now I can see. And that is all of our testimony. That's all of our story. We were blind and now we can see. So you have a testimony, you have a witness, you have a testimony to share with people. The, the fifth thing is this, is don't place your value of sharing the gospel on immediate impact. Don't place the gospel, don't place your value of sharing the gospel on immediate impact. Remember, when they were scattered, they just sowed seeds. They were just seed sowers. I want to encourage you and invite you this week to commit to just being a seed sower. Just sow seeds. Remember, it's God's job to change people's lives, not yours. It's God who changes people. It's God who transforms people. It's God who sets people free. It's God, it's God who does all of that. All we have to do is just be obedient and be used by the Lord. So commit this week just to be a seed scatter, just, just to sow seeds 
into people's lives. You have no idea, my goodness, Saul, who's gonna become Paul. I bet Philip, I bet Stephen had no clue the witness they were being in this moment. And then a chapter later, we see a guy like Saul get absolutely changed and transformed by the power of God. And God is still able to do that today. And he wants to use you and I right where we're at to be witnesses for his glory in Jesus' name. Hey, really quick, I want to pray really fast, and then we're going to hand it over to all of our campus pastors at all of our different locations. But with nobody moving around really fast, I just want to pray. I want to pray. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to following Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you did at one point and you're, you're back and you're trying to figure this thing out and you're not really sure. And maybe you know today, hey, I need to, re, I need to rededicate my life. I need to recommit my life today. I need to, I need to turn from, my, from who I was or what I'm doing. I need, to turn, I need to turn back to the Lord today. Maybe that's you and you're here today or at any of our locations. But if that's you and you're here right now and you'd say, hey, would you pray for me? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to make it weird. I'm not going to call you out, nothing like that. I just want to pray for you. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus at any of our locations, if that's you, would you just slip your hand in the air like this so I can just pray for you? I just want to pray for you. I just want to know that's you. Pray for you. Fantastic. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is great. Anybody else that's here today that would say, that's me, that's me, that's awesome. That is fantastic. Hands going up all over the room. Father, we th thank you right now, God, that you see every person, you know every hand that was raised. God, you know who they are. God, you know their story. And I thank you, God, for your grace and your love towards us. God, I thank you for your forgiveness that's found in you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, uh, that you are ready and available, God, to welcome us back with open arms. God, I thank you that there's no mistakes that we've made. There's no, there's, that we haven't gone too far God, for you to transform and change us. And so, God, I thank you for every person that's here that made that decision, that raised the hand today, Lord. I thank you that your word says, God, that when we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we are saved. And so, Father, I thank you for that, for those people today. And right now, just all across this room, could you just lift your hands to heaven? If you're here today and you're like, man, I want to be, I want, this is me this week. I want to be used by God this week. I want to be used by God. I want, I want people around me to know that I love Jesus and I want to be used by him in incredible ways this week. Father, I pray for your church. Thank you for your people. I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name for every believer, every person with a hand raised, God, every person right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would interrupt, God, our regularly scheduled programs this week, God, for us to be used by you. God, I pray, I thank you right now for the power of the Holy Spirit that's alive on the inside of every person. I thank you, Lord, that you want to use us. Lord, I pray for boldness. I pray for confidence in the name of Jesus. I, holy, I thank you that the Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to say, you give us words to say. And so, God, I pray for every person that might feel afraid or feel worried or maybe like they don't feel like they know what to say. God, I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit in us gives us what to say in, in those times. And so, God, I pray you give every person, God, what to say in those moments. God, use us as your people to be light shining in the darkness. God, wherever we're scattered to, wherever you're taking us to, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that we would be lights shining in the darkness for you. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.